my subject, so I will after we, after we read the text here in a minute. But I, I will say, I'm at least thankful that I'm preaching on Saturday, after what we heard last night. Amen, brother? <laughs> but I'm not sure. I think maybe what he did is he put me first because he didn't know whether I belonged with the Deadwood or if I belonged on the next day. So I guess this is going to determine that. I don't know. But, Brother Paul, we thank you for, for the invitation. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> but I do appreciate the invitation, and I'm humbled and honored to be here, and I thank the Lord for it. Ephesians chapter 4, and we'll begin reading in verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called, and one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in you all. And the, the title of the message this morning is Endeavoring for Unity. Endeavoring for Unity. Let's pray. Our Father, we come to you this morning, Lord, and I, first of all, confess my sins, Lord. I ask that you'd forgive me of my sins, Lord, and I pray as we... Look at your word this morning. You'd help us to be faithful to the scriptures, Lord. I pray that you would, uh, your spirit would be upon each one of us, that you would help me as I preach, that you'd help each one that hears, Lord, that you'd speak to our hearts through your word. I pray that you would change our hearts, Lord. Convict us of where we personally need to change as members of your churches, Lord, that you might be glorified and exalted. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we want to talk about the subject of unity this morning. And, and as we think about... Our, our theme for the conference, Unto Him be glory in the church. And of course, that's the verse directly preceding what we just read. In Ephesians 3.21, he says that, Unto Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus. We're never going to be able to give glory to God in the church as we should if we're in a state of disunity. There must be unity in the church in order to truly glorify God in and through the church. He has intended, He has commanded us to be unified as a church. We see that throughout the Scriptures. We see that here. Uh, we see Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians, in Philippians. Uh, Jesus in His high priestly prayer in John 17 prayed that they would all be one, that there would be unity amongst believers. There must be unity in a church. Now, by way of introduction, I want to look at these first two verses before we really get down to the verses that, that are talking about. Uh, unity. So there in verse 1, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. Now, to get, to get the context of what's going on here, we need to look at the book as a whole. The book of Ephesians is really divided up. The first half, Paul deals with doctrine. And he talks about doctrine. In the second half, he deals with more practical issues and practice. And so, here in verse 1 of chapter 4, he's starting that second half dealing with practice. And so, he's talked about the great calling that we have there in the first half. He's talked about the glorious gospel of Christ in the first half of this book. And then he says, now, therefore, because of everything I've told you, now I'm beseeching you, walk worthy of that great calling that you've been called with. Walk in such a way that is appropriate to that calling. Not in order to earn the calling, but because we have such a glorious calling. Now you need to walk in such a way that is worthy of that. Now this unity that we're about to see, that's one of those things of walking worthy of that calling. If we're going to walk worthy of the great calling we've been given, we've got to be in unity. We've got to be in unity 
as a church. Verse 2, he says, "...with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love." Now, this verse here, it's a great exhortation in and of itself. But let me say, we're never going to have unity unless we get a hold of verse 2. Now, now you can't have unity while we're lifted up with pride and while there's no long-suffering. There's not going to be any unity in a church like that. If we're going to have verses 3, 4, 5, and 6, we've got to have verse 2. With all lowliness and meekness, that tells me there needs to be a little humility. If there's going to be unity, there's got to be some humility. You know why? Because if we're lifted up with pride, well, you know what? I'm a whole lot more important than you are. And my opinion is a whole lot more important than your opinion. And we're going to do it my way. That's pride. Unity requires us to esteem others better than ourselves. There's got to be some humility. Not only that, but he also says, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. There's got to be some patience. That word forbearing there, in the Greek, it, it means to hold up. And I like one definition that it gave, to put up with. You know what? Sometimes in the church, we've got to put up with each other, don't we? There's got to be some putting up with one another. Sometimes we've got to hold up. We've got to support one another. But sometimes, you know what? We just have to put up with some things for the sake of unity, for the sake of love, for the sake of forbearing one another in love. We've got to have some humility. We've got to have some patience, some love for one another if we're going to have this unity. Now, let's get into these verses which are talking about unity here. Verse 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. What is unity? What is this word unity? It speaks of, of oneness, of agreement. We should be unified in action, in direction, in our goal as a church. We should be unified in our love as a church. We should be in agreement. We should be one in the Lord. There should be unity. Now notice that first word of verse 3 here. Endeavoring. Endeavoring. That means to put in some work. It's going to take some work. It's going to take applying ourselves. It's not easy to be in unity. Our unity will go by the wayside if there's not some endeavoring to keep it. Now, concerning how it says to endeavor to keep, John Gill said that endeavoring to keep this unity supposes three things. It supposes, one, that this union does already exist. You understand, he did not say endeavor to create the unity of the Spirit. He said endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit. Our unity is not something which we make up of ourselves. Our unity is in the Spirit. Because we all have the same Spirit, therefore there is unity. You understand, amongst Christians in the new birth, unity is a natural thing because we have a new nature. We have a a spiritual nature. But, and we'll get to this in a minute... Because we're still in the flesh, it's also a natural thing for that unity to deteriorate. So it supposes that this unity already exists. And along those lines, our unity must come from the Spirit. In other words, as a church, we don't seek to find unity in anything else. We don't seek to find unity in that we all have the same hobbies or we all do the same job. We find unity in that we're all in Christ. I tell you, some of my best friends in the world, my best friends in the world come from our church. And if we were not serving the Lord together, we really would probably never have known each other. We wouldn't have a lot in common. 
But we do because we both, we all serve the Lord Christ. Because we've been saved. Because we have this new nature. So our unity, it's already there. We're endeavoring to keep it, to maintain it. It's in the Spirit. Secondly, it supposes that this is very valuable. If we're going to work so hard at keeping it, well, that supposes there's some value in unity. It's a valuable thing. Gill points out that unity is important for the glory of God. As I said at the beginning, we're not going to give glory to God in the church if we're in disunity. It's important for the glory of God. It's important for the comfort and delight of the saints. It's not a whole lot of fun to be around a church that's in disunity, is it? There's not a lot of comfort among the saints there. And I would add, it's also important and it's vitally important for the witness of that church. I mean, how many churches have destroyed their witness because there's no unity? I mean, when a church, when, when the lost, when the world sees a church that's always fighting and bickering amongst themselves, they can't determine anything. They're, they're going 16 different directions that you've lost your witness. There's got to be unity or we lose our witness. It is vitally important. So, Endeavoring to keep, that supposes, one, that this unity already existed, exists, that it is very valuable, but thirdly, that it is very difficult to secure. And it is a difficult thing to keep. It's going to require some work. If we're going to be in unity, friends, it's going to require some work. It's not just going to happen. If we, if we all just show up and we don't put any effort into this thing, we're going to be in a state of disunity. Why? Because we're still in the flesh. Because the flesh wants what I want. Because the flesh is worried about me. If we don't endeavor to keep this unity, it's not going to stay. We're going to lose it. And we've seen that. I'm sure everyone here has seen that in many churches. They've lost this unity. It's a very difficult thing to keep. Now, in verses 4 through 6, he goes on to give us seven reasons or seven grounds for this unity. And, and I will say this for the sake of context and, and getting the understanding of what the, what the Paul was saying here. I believe considering the time in which he wrote and also considering chapters two and three, the direct context of what Paul is talking about is that there were Jews and Gentiles in the church at Ephesus. And he said, you need to be unified. You're not too different. You know, you're not different. There is no difference, he said in Romans. The Jew and the Gentile, there's the same Lord, the same body. And so that's the direct context of what he's saying here. But I believe this applies to us today as well. That we need to be unified and that we have great grounds for unity. Listen, in the church, we have so much to be unified about. And that's what we're about to see here. Verse 4, There is one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling. The first grounds of this unity is there's one body. And we heard Brother Joe talk about this last night. He said, look, if the body is going all these different directions, and if, if my right foot wants to go a different way than my left foot, and if my eye doesn't want to cooperate with my hand, it's not going to work. If there's one body, there must be unity. And not only that, but it's also a reason for unity. Because you think about this. We are all members of one body. Now, if we care about our body, then we want our body to do well. We want our body to be healthy. And if we're going all different directions, we're destroying our own body. As one body, we should desire this unity. We're taking care of our own body that we're a part of. There's one body. That's a great reason and grounds for unity in the Lord's church. We're one body in Christ. 
the body is not in unity, it's not functioning correctly. There is a problem if this body is not in unity. If your body is going all different directions. Number two, and one spirit. And we've already touched on this a little bit concerning verse 3. But we've all been given the same spirit. I believe we also heard that mentioned last night there in Romans chapter 8. If any man have not the spirit of Christ, he's none of his. We all have been given the Holy Spirit of God within us to guide us, to comfort us, to come alongside us. If we all have that one spirit, well, that's a great grounds for unity. For one thing, the fruit of the Spirit recorded in Galatians, that tends toward unity, doesn't it? The fruit of the Spirit is love, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness. All those things tend toward unity. You understand, if all of us have the fruit of the Spirit growing out of our lives, well, that's going to tend toward unity. Because we're gentle toward one another. I'm not seeking to put you down. I'm not seeking to exalt myself above you. I love you. I have long suffering towards you. If we have that fruit of the Spirit, it's going to tend toward unity. Also, the Holy Spirit does not lead people in contrary ways. If there's disunity in the church, and if we're fighting amongst ourselves, one or both of us is not submitting to the Holy Spirit in our lives. I mean, that's just a fact. We can't say, you know what, the Holy Spirit is leading me to fight you. No, He's not. That's not... He doesn't do that. Somebody's wrong here. And I would say if there's a fight going on, it's very likely both of us are. We need to submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit. Hey, we have one Spirit. If we're all submitting to the same Spirit, there's going to be some unity. There's going to be some unity. Thirdly, and one hope. You're called in one hope of your calling. All true believers have the same hope. The hope of heaven. Titus 2.13 says, Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's a great grounds for unity. Brother, we're looking for heaven together. We're going to heaven together. We have the same hope of Christ. We're looking for the same Savior. Now, that doesn't make any sense to say, I'm going to heaven with Him and I'm looking for Jesus with Him, but I sure can't stand Him here. Well, that doesn't make any sense. We have the same hope. We have one hope. That should unify us. That should cause us, as we read earlier there, concerning forbearing. Put up with some stuff. We've got the hope of Christ. We're going to heaven together. You know what? I may not like everything you do, but who cares? You know what? We may disagree on some of the finer points of doctrine. That's okay. None of us have it all figured out. Now, I'm not talking about compromising the gospel. I'm not talking about compromising the main truths. I'm saying... Sometimes when we have a little disagreement about this point or this point of doctrine, let it go. Agree to disagree. Be in unity around the gospel. We've got the same hope. One body, one spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling. And then, fourthly, there's one Lord. This is another great grounds of unity. We have the same master. We have the same Lord, the same head. If we're following the same one, then why on earth would we be in disunity? We've got the same Lord. We've got the same Lord. Christ is our teacher. We're striving to learn from Him together. Well, that leads to unity. Christ is our Master. We're striving to follow Him. Well, that leads to unity. 
Christ is our example. And we're striving to be like Him. Well, guess what? If we're both striving to be like the same person, that's going to lead to unity. We've got the same Lord. We shouldn't be fighting amongst ourselves. We shouldn't be going all these different directions. We've got one Lord. Christ is the head of the church. If anyone else is the head of your church, there's a big problem. There's one Lord of the church, and it's Christ. That should lead to unity. That's a great reason, a great grounds for unity. Fifthly, there's one faith. One faith in Christ. We've all been granted faith in Christ alone, by God alone. He granted us this one faith in Christ. We have the same faith. That should lead to unity. Now, I would also point out here that this is a potential cause for a right disunity. If we're not of the same faith, there can't be agreement there. If you've got faith in your works as opposed to Christ, we can't have unity because we're not, we're not in the same gospel. There's not one faith. There's two different faiths. But if we're both trusting in Christ, that's a ground for unity. And, and I would even go so far as to say this, and I understand there's a difference in unity in the church, and that's what we're talking about this morning. But people who are wrong on a whole lot of things, if they're trusting in the same Christ, we can have a degree of unity. Now, not the same fellowship that we can have when we agree on the church and on things like that, but we can have a degree of fellowship with people who are saved, even when they're wrong on a lot of things. Because we have one faith. That's the grounds of unity. Sixthly, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Another grounds for unity is our baptism. We, we believe in believers' baptism, administered under the proper authority of a New Testament church, baptized into the membership of a local church and publicly professing Christ as our Savior. When we go into the waters of baptism, we are declaring, I'm one of His. He has saved me. I am identifying myself with Christ. As we have all had that same baptism, we've had that same public profession of faith in Christ, that's another grounds for unity. Hey, we're professing faith, again, in the same Lord. We're professing the same faith in the same Lord. We're uniting with a church. We're following Him in obedience and baptism. There's this one baptism. That's a unity. That's a grounds for unity. And then number seven, in verse six, he says, One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in, in, and in you all. To, to end it all up here, we serve the same God. We worship the same God. We come together in the church to worship and to glorify and to exalt God. The same God, the only true and living God. That's the grounds for unity. We're here to worship the same Lord. When we come together, don't we say it's, it's a worship service? But let me ask you a question. This is a little bit of a rabbit trail. Do you really worship when you come to the house of God? I mean, when we sing songs, are we just singing the same old songs, not even thinking about the words? Just going through the motions. We come and we hear a sermon, but that's all. We just kind of hear. It's going through the motions. Do we really worship when we come to church? It's just a thought. But we worship the same God, one God. We have the same God. But not only that, and Father of all. We have the same Father. God is our Father in Christ. We're of the same family. We're brothers and sisters. We've got the same Father. That's the grounds for unity. He's our Father. 
Paul gives us here seven grounds, if you will, or reasons to be unified. Look, listen, he says, all of this, there's one. There's not a divided body. There's not a divided Lord. It's one. You ought to be unified, church. If you want to bring glory to Him in the church, if you want to exalt and praise His name in the church, if you want God to be glorified in this church, in these churches that are represented here, there's got to be unity. There has to be. Now, I want to talk for a minute, and we touched on this in the introduction, but about the importance of unity in the church. We've seen the, the grounds, the reasons for unity, why we should be unified. I want to to see the importance of unity in the church quickly here. Number one, it's important for the glory of God. It is important for the glory of God. That's why we exist as a church, is to bring glory to God. You understand? That's why all of creation exists, is to bring glory to God. And certainly as the church of Jesus Christ, that's why we're here. If we come together for any other reason, we're doing it for the wrong reasons. It's for the glory of God. And I've told you, and I mean this, if we're not unified, we're not bringing glory to God like we should. This is important for the glory of God. If you want God to be glorified in this church, which you should, there's got to be unity. It's important for the glory of God. Secondly, it's important for the worship of God. And this is similar to the last point that we made concerning the glory of God, but we're not going to be able to come together and worship God in disunity. You can't do it. You cannot worship God while at the same time having something against your brother. You can't do it. Jesus said, listen, if you come and bring a gift to the altar, that's an act of worship, right? And there remember that your brother hath ought against you. Well, go on worshiping and then make it right if you get a chance. No, that's not what he said. Leave your gift before the altar and first be reconciled to your brother and then come offer your gift. We cannot worship God like we should when we're in a state of disunity. Can't do it. I mean, have you ever been able to come to church and the church is in all uh, just an uproar and a turmoil? Nobody's agreeing with one another and yet there's just a spirit of worship there. No, can't happen. If we want to worship God like we should, there's got to be unity. It's important for the worship of God. Thirdly, it's important for the advancement of the church and the gospel. The church is not going to be going forward and growing in grace and in knowledge, growing closer to the Lord while it's not in unity. It's not going to happen. That church is not going to grow in a state of disunity. It can't happen. Not only that... But it's also for the advancement of the gospel. We should be unified in our mission as a church to take the gospel into all the world. To take the gospel to the lost around us. We should be unified because we've got the same mission. Jesus, he t- I mean, we all know the Great Commission. But, but it's kind of, it's another one of those things that's just going through the motions. We've memorized it for years and years and years. And we don't even think about This is the mission God gave us to do. This is the mission Christ left us with. You take the gospel into all nations. You go make disciples of all nations. That's our mission as a church. If we are not fulfilling that, if we are not fulfilling that mission, 
we're not bringing glory to God. That's what He's given us to do. Now, if we all have the same mission, then we should be unified. And we need to unify around that mission. Hey, you want the gospel to go into all the world. I want the gospel to go into all the world. Now let's unify and get this thing done. Let's get around this mission and do it. It's important because we need unity to be taking the message into all the world, to be taking the gospel to the lost. And fourthly, it's important for our witness to the lost. And again, I mentioned this briefly earlier. But what a terrible testimony to those outside of the church to see a church in disunity. We have no testimony if we're just always fighting amongst ourselves. We can't even agree... You all say you all have the same Holy Spirit. You all say you serve the same Lord. You say you have the same salvation. You say you're going to spend eternity together, but you can't even get along here. I don't want any of that. We've lost our testimony as a church when there's disunity. It is vitally important for for our witness to the lost that we're in unity. Unity as a church is imperative. It is important. It is necessary. God has commanded it. And if we would truly bring Him glory in the church, we must be a unified church. We must be. And as we've seen throughout these verses, we have so much to unify around as Christians. We have so much grounds for unity. And yet, what do we do? We look for all the reasons that we can be in disunity. That's how it goes much of the time. But friends, we have so many reasons to be unified. Let me say this. It's time that we get over ourselves. You know, that we set aside some of our personal preferences. You know, hey, I really would have liked it if y'all put green carpet in here. But you didn't. So you know what? I don't care. That's, that's the thing. That's what I'm talking about. I don't really care about the carpet. But that's the kinds of things that we see in churches, isn't it? Disunity because you put the wrong color carpet down. You painted the walls the wrong color. We don't like it. That stuff doesn't matter. Set it, get over yourself, friends. That's a preference. There's many other things we could go into. We need to make a distinction between doctrine and preference, by the way. And when it's a preference, don't cause disunity over it. Don't cause a fight over it. And let me challenge you in this. And we'll come to a close. Brother Joe last night said, we need to make this thing personal. We are the members of the church. The church is made up of us. If you are the cause of disunity in your church, if you have not been in unity with your brethren over some minor issue, some issue of pride, some issue of preference, you need to repent of that make it right. You are detracting from the glory of God. You are holding the church back. Repent of it. Make it right. Set aside yourself. Humble yourself. Come together in unity. Everything that we look at this weekend in this, in this conference is important for bringing glory to God in the church. You know, we can't take one of these things and say, well, we're going to bring glory to God because we're doing this. We need to take them all. And this is no exception to that. You can do a lot of things right 
you can look really good as a church, but if you're in disunity, you're not bringing glory to God. Unto Him be glory in the church. And then right in the next chapter, He turns around and says, now listen, you've got to be in unity. Endeavoring for unity. Put some effort into it. Put some work into it. Yes, it's hard, but it's worth it. It's important. We must be unified as a church. Brother, I'll turn it back over.